Welcome to the Grace City Tampa podcast. My name is Alex Damari. Me and my wife, Brianna, are the lead pastors. Our vision is to lead people into a life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that today's podcast will build you up, lift your faith, and encourage you in the journey. Here's the message. Well, open up your Bibles with me if you would. I'm so excited to preach this message. This is a very, what I love about coming to Tampa, I get the opportunity to preach kind of all over the country. What I love about coming to Tampa is uh, this is our church. So, so I'm just so excited to come and preach a pastoral message. And, and, and I, I want to preach a message actually that I just preached to our church in Lakeland. And sometimes you just preach those messages that just really resonate. And, uh, and I wasn't sure what I was going to preach here until a couple weeks ago. And I preached this message and I thought, man, our, our Tampa uh, room of our house really, really needs to hear this. And uh, I, I want to preach a message called The Color of Trust. The Color of Trust. And, uh, and in Lakeland, we, we did a series called Technicolor, uh, a Life with Jesus. And we just talked about the fact that uh, really, you know, uh, God wants you and I to see all of life through the prism of the person of Jesus Christ, right? That, that is how we are to see life. So, so we should see our career through the prism of Jesus Christ. We should see, we should see our finances through the prism of Jesus Christ. We, we should see our sin and shame through the prism of Jesus Christ. And, and, and today, I want to talk about how you and I have to see our pain through the person of Jesus Christ. Come on, anybody in here, you've been through some pain? I'll wait for every hand to go up. I'll wait for every hand to go, right? You've been through some pain. Some of you, you're going through some pain right now. And I want to read out of 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 5. A man named Paul, he wrote this. He says, on behalf of this man, I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast except of my weaknesses. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it, so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The color of trust. Come on, let's pray together today over the preaching of God's word. God, thank you so much for the honor it is to open up your word. Lord, I pray that you would change us through it. Help us to trust that you are still walking with us. Lord, we love you. We ask you to move today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, have, you ever, have you ever judged someone based on how they rank something? You ever, you ever do that? You ever talking to maybe a group of friends and, and you guys start ranking like maybe your top five artists of all time and uh, or maybe you start ranking uh, your top five movies of all time and and then somebody says something that's kind of just off the wall in fact it kind of even makes you question can I even continue this relationship with this person sometimes you know you're going through movie rankings right and people are saying like really meaningful movies that have like shaped cinema over the last 20 years and then you know somebody hits you with like a 10 things I hate about you or something like that and you're like we can no longer be friends 
Like, like, like I don't think you understand the game. I, I, I don't think you understand what this is. Or, or, or anytime I'm having a, a conversation uh, about who the greatest NBA player of all time is uh, with anybody that's like under 35, it drives me nuts. Because I will be having this conversation and the correct answer, the only answer, is a guy named Michael Jeffrey Jordan. That is the only correct answer to that question and some 25-year-old's gonna come at me with LeBron brains and I'm like, never heard of him. Never heard of him. And if you and I were to, were to go out to coffee and, and it was just, just you and I and I were to ask you to rank life experiences that you're going after, I, I, wonder, I wonder how you would rank life experiences. And I, I think it might look something like this. You know, you, know, you might start at the top and, and you might say, oh man, it'd be nice to be well thought of. I, I would love to be, to be well thought of. Uh, that's something that I'm going for. Finances, I'd love to be financially independent. That would be nice to maybe buy a house someday. I would love to have my health I'd love a great career. And you would go on and on and on and on. And at the very bottom of your life experiences that you're excited about would be this thing called pain. That's what would be at the, the very, if your life rankings had a list, at the very bottom would be pain. And I think if, if you're going to walk with Jesus, he wants to help inform how you see pain. Because I, I really believe this. There are worse things in life than pain. In fact, you will probably hear me say that four or five times throughout the course of this message. There are worse things in life than pain. And this is important for us because there are a lot of different types of pain that you and I are going to experience. Right? There's physical pain. Right? There's the nature of physical pain. In fact, uh, it, it, when I was in my early 30s, uh, I started to experience something that I'd never experienced. I've always been active, and I played college sports, and, and, uh, and so I started experiencing something I've never experienced before. I started just like randomly pulling muscles. <laughs> I'd go out to hoop, or I'd go out to do something, and all of a sudden, I'd, I'd start pulling like my hamstring or my quad. I, I just start pulling muscles all over. In fact, right now, if we went out into that road and you were like, hey, I want to race you, and we went out there, I would be so concerned to go from nothing to a full sprint because undoubtedly I would pull something. <laughs> There'd be no doubt in my mind, right? And, and all of us, to some degrees, have experienced physical pain. There's the pain of heartbreak. We've all experienced the pain of heartbreak. Our church in Lakeland is much like this church, right? A lot, of, a lot of young people. And so we get to walk people through, you know, people that maybe they thought they were going to marry or people that they were dating and they break up. We've, we've all experienced the, that kind of heartbreak. And I, I experienced the heartbreak um, about 11 years ago of, of my parents uh, getting divorced. I uh, found out that my dad had been cheating on my mom for like two years and my mom calling nonstop. And they went through a horrific and just terrible, nasty divorce. And all of us in this room, if we were having coffee, we would be able to explain and talk about um, some heartbreak pain that we've experienced. The other types of pain that we've all experienced is the pain of grieving. We've all lost. We've all experienced loss. When I was in college, you ever get a call from a friend from like a previous life? Like, you know, like maybe like a friend, you know, like you just haven't talked to in a while. And I got a call from one of those types of friends, and he had told me that our mutual friend, Nate, had been shot and killed. And Nate was like my childhood best friend, literally from the time I can remember until we were about 16. 
We were, we were best friends and uh, we would hang all the time. And, um, and I gave my heart to Christ when I was 17 years old and our lives kind of took a different path because, you know, when we were 12, 13, 14, 15, Nate was my friend that like, we would do dirt together. Like we'd go to the mall. We were like mall rats. We'd like shoplift when we were like 14, which is like the prime thievery age. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's when you're in your prime of stealing. We'll, we'll fast forward the tape. I'm 17. I give my heart to Christ and my, my life takes a sharp turn in a different direction. And my friend Nate kind of keeps going down that path to the point where about five years later, he's robbing people at gunpoint in their home. And he rob, robs the wrong people and they catch up with him and it's literally a gang that catches up with him and they murdered him. And I remember going to that funeral and it was kind of a surreal moment and I experienced the, the pain of loss. But I, I'm a firm believer in this, is that pain lets us know we're alive. Because we experience a strained muscle only in a muscle that's active. And we experience heartbreak only with a heart that loves. And we experience loss only after having felt connected to something. See, pain can only exist because I know what pleasure is. Pain only exists. I only have an awareness when I'm in pain because I know what joy feels like. I know what it's like to have the wind of God at my back. And so when that is not the case, I experience the dichotomy. So here's the question today, Grace City Tampa. How do you filter your pain? What's the lens with which you see your pain? Because here's what I found to be true about pain. It has to go somewhere. Pain has to go somewhere. So sometimes pain plays out in rage. Come on. In fact, a while ago, I was driving down the road, and I guess I had like accidentally cut somebody off. It wasn't on purpose. I kind of got over, and, and, and I, know, I knew that I did it because you ever like accidentally do something, and then you're like, oh, and then somebody like tails you real aggressively like? This happened to me, and they were like, it was this big truck, of course. If you drive a big truck, I got love for you. There's this big truck and he's behind me and he's, and he's like honking. He's telling me I'm number one. And like, it's just like, <laughs> and then that wasn't enough. He pulled up next to me. So, you know, that guy, he pulls up next to me and I'm, I gotta be honest, I'm a little antagonistic. This is not a good quality of mine. And so I roll down my window and I'm like, and he's like freaking out and I'm like, are you Okay. Are you okay? Like, are, are you okay? And, 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 he, you know, and then he speeds off and his like, girlfriend or fiance or wife or something is with them and she's like hitting him. She's like yelling at him because he's freaking out and then he pulls off and then he goes up here and then I eventually catch up to him and they're literally parked off the side of the road and he's like, <laughs> and his, his girlfriend's yelling at him. I was like, whoa, you're not mad at me. You're mad at your father. Like, I was like, whoa, bro. Pain's gotta go somewhere. Come on, I've been pastoring people a long time. Sometimes uh, pain plays out in substance abuse. I, I know people that, man, that glass of wine that they used to have after work uh, has turned into like five, six glasses of wine after work. And what started out as kind of just a slight coping mechanism has now turned into a serious problem. But your pain has to go somewhere. And here's my point. My only point today is this, is that your pain is not the problem. Your filter for that pain is the problem. There are worse things in life than pain. Now, now, don't get me wrong. This culture tries to tell us otherwise. And I'm going to talk about pain avoidance in a little bit. But there are worse things in life than pain. Your pain is not the problem. The fact that you and I are choosing anything other than Jesus to filter that pain is the problem. And I love the Apostle Paul because he kind of sets this up for us in verse 6. 
He does this really interesting thing, and I'm going to kind of uh, uh, go through it a little bit. But the Apostle Paul is an interesting character to me. He's a very, like, and, and, and we have a lot of insight into his nature and into who he is because he wrote a good chunk of the New Testament. And he says things like this. He says, though if I wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth. But if I refrain from it so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So to keep me from being conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me. To keep me from becoming conceited. So he, so he has this dichotomy. Now, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a little bit of liberty with the English language. And I, I, I want to supplant one word that we use a lot in our culture with, a, with another word. And, and a lot of times in our culture, we use the word dehumanize. And all of us in this room would or should agree it is bad to dehumanize somebody. Right? That, that, is, that is a bad thing. That's how you end up with things like racism, right? Because you've dehumanized somebody. Right? That, that, that is a bad thing. But, but I want to use another word that we tend to, to kind of do a lot, and it matters with how we read the Bible. I think we can tend to unhumanize people as well, which is to say this. We strip people of their humanity, and it plays out in one of two ways. It plays out in one of two ways. It plays out in the first way, if we like that person, then we don't see their shortcomings, right? So if we like them, we will not see. In fact, we will defend people to the nth degree if we have unhumanized them. Now, this is what happens with like the Apostle Paul a lot. Like there are streams of Christianity that are like, man, the Apostle Paul, like Jesus, he's cool, but Paul... And I think we've, we've stripped the humanity from Paul, and we got to be careful that we don't do that because then we won't really be able to take from his life the things that we should be able to take from his life. And Paul was not perfect. He clearly has this tension of pride. Clearly. Because this is, by the way, not the only place in Scripture where he does this back-and-forth game. Like, like, think about this. If this was a text from your friend, you'd be like, my friend has a problem. Like, I'm going to read this again and just think about it in the confines of if this was a text from your friend. This is what he says. On behalf of this man, I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast except of my weaknesses. You're like, what a humble guy. Paul is very humble. His next text, though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool. So if I was going to boast, I wouldn't be lying. Like if you got that text from a friend, hey man, I'm not going to brag. I'm just going to brag about my, you know, I'm just going to focus on my weaknesses. But if I was going to brag, I'd be telling the truth. Like, you know what I mean? Like what? He literally says that though, if I wish to boast, I would not be a fool for I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain so that no one may think more of me. Then he sees in me or hears in me. Okay, okay, so he's back. So he's back. Okay, he's humble again. So to keep me from becoming conceited, listen to why he needs to stop and not be conceited. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations. So he's like, yo, I'm not going to brag on myself. I'm just going to focus on my weaknesses. But if I were going to brag, I'd be telling the truth. But I'm not going to do that. I want to stay humble because the way I read the Bible is better than all of you. <laughs> like, like th this is clearly a problem. So we have this thing where we unhumanize Paul, not understanding that he was just a normal guy that had weaknesses. 
So if we like them, then we won't see their shortcomings. That's how we, one way we unhumanize people. Another way that we unhumanize people is this. If we don't like them, then we won't see their pain. That is a way that we have unhumanized people in a great deal in our current climate right now. If I don't like you, I just assume you don't have pain. In fact, I had a college student walk up to me. This is like maybe a year ago, a couple years ago now. And, uh, and he came up to me. And uh, it was after I had preached a message, and I would shared a little bit of, of my story in that message. And he came up to me, and this is how he started, which, by the way, don't ever start a conversation like this. He came up and he said, hey, Pastor Andrew, um, man, I just honestly, I've been coming for a little while because my friends really like the church. But i got to be honest, like, I just haven't really liked you for like a year that I've been coming to the church. I'm like, Okay. He was like, but then, but then you shared your story today, and I actually went through actually a similar type of thing, and it made me go, oh, man, th- th- this, is, this is like a real guy. This is a guy that has experienced some of the same things I've experienced. And I go, okay, a couple things. Because <laughs> I'm, like, I'm always coaching. I'm always like a like real-time, real-time coaching people. And I go, okay, a couple things. One is thank you. <laughs> and the second thing is this. Can, I would just encourage you for the rest of your life. Just assume you're not the only person in the world that has experienced pain. I think it would just be a good bet to, and a good assumption to have that you are not the only person that has experienced pain in life. And you can just assume everybody sitting on your right and everybody sitting on your left has experienced pain. But if we don't like somebody, it is easy to unhumanize them by going, eh, they probably don't have afflictions. So Paul was imperfect But Paul also had pain. And the thorn, in fact, he even says the thorn that was given for him was for a beneficial purpose, the prevention of spiritual conceit. Now, what you have to be careful with is, you you ever watch a movie with somebody that's an expert on the particular, like, field that the movie's doing and it ruins the whole movie? You ever do that? (laughs) You watch, like, a military movie with somebody that's in the military and they ruin the whole thing. They're like, that would never happen. Here's why. Oh, man, I was enjoying that scene. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and one time I, I was watching a movie uh, with this physician, and, uh, and there was a knife that went in somebody's leg, right? I watch really pure movies. And, uh, <laughs> and, and a knife went in this guy's leg, and they pulled it out. And the guy I was with goes, no, 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 just like that. He's like, no, you, you don't pull it out. Why? Because, because it went into his leg, and that thing might actually be blocking an artery, that once you pull out that knife, and now all of a sudden you just, oh, you might kill that person. When instead, you should leave that knife in his leg, get him to hospital. And again, he's explaining all this. I'm watching a movie. <laughs> the point of watching movies is to suspend belief. That is why we're doing it. Leave me alone. But he explained, no, you got to leave it in until you get to a place that knows how to handle and navigate that. And you and I, I think oftentimes, are too quick to pull out the knife. Because anything, we've come to believe this lie, anything that is painful is bad. And again, there are worse things in life than pain. And so the problem is, it's kind of like a, a wound if you keep picking the scab prematurely before the skin heals underneath it you are going to actually do more damage to that wound than you otherwise would have. And so you got to understand, man, listen, 
Sometimes in life, you are going to experience pain, and that pain might be the thing that saves your future. That pain might be the thing that saves your life. And then, and then the Apostle Paul, he says this, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. Now, I just want to focus just on that line right there. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. Have you ever hit one of your friends up with what I call the stalker call? You ever call them once and they don't answer? And you're like, I don't leave messages. <laughs> and then you call them right back, right? Just to, I want to see how busy you really are. And you call them right back. And what are you doing? You're creating an urgency to go, hey, man, I got stuff. I got good stuff to talk about right now. And so you hit them up back. To, let me see your hand if you've ever done that. Let me see your hand if you, yeah, yeah, we, we do that. Call them, don't answer. I'm going to try them one more time. Ah, I knew I'd get you. <laughs> so there's this urgency. Now, what's interesting is the Apostle Paul, it says three times I asked the Lord. You want to know what I was thinking when I was prepping for this sermon? Is I literally thought this, three times, that's not a lot. Like, that's not very many times. Like, some of you are like, it, it, it wouldn't have read three times if you wrote it. It would have been like 4,272 times I asked the Lord. <laughs> My wife and I, man, we prayed for kids literally every day for nine years. It would not have read three times. But you, you know what I think the Apostle Paul did learn? Is I think he learned that there are worse things in life than pain. And so he didn't focus on his pain. And so I wonder what he did in between the requests. You know what he was doing? Making a difference in people's lives. He wasn't focused on his pain. And it doesn't even say that he asked. It wasn't like he asked three times in one sitting. I believe that he probably asked, Lord, my ministry would be a lot easier if I wasn't experiencing this. And then he got up and then he served people. And then there was probably in another season he went, man, our ministry would be a lot easier if we weren't facing this. Lord, it's me again, Paul. <laughs> My ministry would be a lot easier if you would take this. Gets up, keeps it pushing, serves God, serves people. And then he asks the third time, and that is when he gets his answer. My question to you is, what do you do in between prayers? What are you doing in between prayers? I don't think there's anything wrong with, right? We are called to bring our requests before God. Bring your requests before God. But what are you doing in between those requests. And my encouragement to you is to do what the Apostle Paul did, which is to serve other people. Paul accepts that pain is not the worst thing. Also, another thing I find interesting is in the original language, in, in his prayer, it's one of two times that he doesn't use the term Yahweh when he's talking about the Lord. So he says, three times I prayed to the Lord. Every other time he uses the term Lord in the New Testament, he's referring to Yahweh, which is God. This is one of two times that he is referring directly to Jesus. As if to say, he's cutting out all the formality. And he's going straight to Jesus and he's saying, hey, it's me, Paul. And he's probably a little confused as to, hey, I thought I was your guy. I thought I was special. And I think too many times we confuse whether or not somebody will allow us to go through pain with their closeness of relationship with us. Like my, my kids, I, I have, I have uh, twin, twin boy and uh, boy and girl twins. And Justice and Adriana, they're three and a half years old. And they love to go to this jump place. I don't know where the team is. The team can join me anytime. Um, uh, um, and... Uh, um, 
And they love to go to the bounce place, trampoline place, called Defy. It's in North Lakeland. We go there, and the kids love to jump on the trampolines. It's awesome. Wears out their energy. They sleep through the night, which means I sleep through the night. It's a win for everybody. Best $15 I spend all week, okay? And um, now what's interesting, what I love about that place, you go there, and there's all these, like, 16, 17, 18, 19-year-olds working there, and they all got, like, the referee jerseys on. Right? They work there. They got the referee jerseys on. So our kids are jumping around. And there's some rules, right? There's some rules. Like uh, you, can't, you can't double bounce each other, right? Uh, uh, you can't play like crack the egg. You can't you know, do, do all that kind of, you can't do flips, um, you know, uh, if you're a certain age kind of type thing. And, and so my kids, my kids will, will, will do this stuff. Well, the other day, Justice did like his first flip. He didn't even, it wasn't intentional, but he did it. He jumped off this thing, hit the trampoline, and did like a front flip. And he went. I was like, bro, that was amazing. I won't even do a front flip. Like, that's, that's incredible. And he was all, all hyped up. And then our kids were doing this thing where they were kind of jumping each other, right? They were kind of like bouncing each other. And the referee, 18-year-old referee, uh, comes over. Boop. He didn't really blow a whistle, but that's what he did in my mind. And... Uh, <laughs> and he's like, hey, like, you know, like, uh, you, know you, you guys can't do that. Now, when you're a dad and anybody tells your children they can't do something that you're cool with, I'm like, those are my children, bruh. Because <laughs> I was okay with it. Now, think about this for a second. That referee has a responsibility, right? They're insured. They have, he has a responsibility to make sure my kids don't get hurt. He's, try, he's trying to prevent them from getting hurt. I'm kind of okay if they get a little hurt. Because I understand a big picture. And I know that injury when you jump on a trampoline is always a possibility. Now, would anybody in here be under the delusion that that referee loves my children more than me? course not but we have come to believe in our culture that the people that are trying to prevent any sort of pain coming into our life automatically are the closest people to us and so that has dumbfounded and confused us when God allows us to experience painful moments because we go wait I bought into the lie that if you loved me you're supposed to prevent me from ever having a painful moment in my life. And that is not true. Because God sees a bigger picture. He sees that pain is not the worst thing in the world. In fact, he knows there's going to come a day where there is no pain. So temporary pain is just that. It's temporary. And you and I got to know and we got to understand. We got to come to God and say, God, listen, I've experienced some pain. But if you allowed me to go through that pain, then maybe just maybe you're going to work it out. Maybe just maybe you're going to use that. Maybe just maybe that thing, watching my parents go through that, might be the thing that allows me to have the strongest marriage I could possibly have. Or maybe experiencing that job loss that is incredibly painful releases me into doing something that I would have never done. We either trust God or we don't. And then in verse 9, he says, this is God's response. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. 
For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The answer is not what he expected, but it's what he needed. My kids sometimes, they're crazy. Sometimes they'll, they'll ask me for something like I work for them. <laughs> like, hey, Dad, get me that. I'm like, you are tripping, little homie. That's how I talk to my kids. And I'm like, and so sometimes I'll do this. Every parent has done this. You want to ask that in a different way? You want to ask that in a different way? And Justice or Adriana will go, Dad, can I please? Now, sometimes I set them up. I love being, being a parent so much more fun than being a kid. I got to be honest. <laughs> I have so much more fun. Sometimes I'll set them up. So sometimes I'll go, you want to ask that again? And they'll go, Dad, can I please have? And I'll go, no. <laughs> I'll have them ask nicely, even though I know I'm going to say no. Because <laughs> here's what I'm teaching them. When I say no, <laughs> it's not always because they didn't ask nicely. Sometimes it's just no because this is not what's best for your life. And, and we, we've bought into this lie that we just think God's supposed to do all the things we ask nicely about. <laughs> we think, well, I prayed and I fasted and I did all the right stuff. Right, but if it's still bad for you, if it's still not gonna serve you, if it's still not gonna form you into Christ's image, then the answer is gonna be no. And you can come with all the niceties you want, and you can show up to church every week, and you can read your Bible every day, and you can give your tithes and offerings, but the answer is gonna be no. And our culture right now hates hearing no. Why can't I do that? No! Yeah, but if God loved, no! The answer is no! Why? Because I know what I have for you. And so for the Apostle Paul, I was like, no, nah, I'm not, I'm not going to take that from you because that's the thing. That's the thing that is setting you apart. The thorn in your flesh, the thing that you hate is the thing that's setting you apart. The pain that you've experienced. Here, here's why. People cannot relate to your greatest successes, but they can relate to your pain. Come on, you ever share your story? You ever share your story of what Jesus is doing in your life? Wild successes are awesome. They're fun. But like people can't relate to that. Either they had that experience or they didn't. But I can relate to your pain. But you got to be willing to do what Jacob did. You got to be willing to walk with a limp. There's this weird, weird, weird thing in the Bible. And I'm ending here. There's this weird thing in the Bible. It's a weird story. Theologically, it's, it's, it's a difficult one. Because it says that Jacob was wrestling with God, right? He's wrestling with this entity, and he's wrestling with God. And, and, and it says that he actually starts to get the upper hand, which is a strange allegorical, like, reality. It says that he actually starts to get the upper hand. In fact, to such a degree that the thing that he's wrestling with pops his hip out of socket. Like, oh, man, we're going down. No, we're not. Boop. Like got him. And it's in that moment that his name is changed from Jacob to Israel, right? Because he's going to be the father to nations. For the rest of his life, he walked with a limp. What is a limp? 
a, a limp is a physical manifestation of past pain. That's what a limp is. It's a physical manifestation of past pain. And I've come to this conclusion in my life. I would rather walk with a limp and be close to God than walk in self-confidence and be far from God. There are worse things in your life than you can experience than pain. And every pain that God has allowed to come across your bow and come across your life, he and he alone can work it out for your benefit. Church, can we stand to our feet today, Grace City? And I'm going to ask that we would bow our head. And I want to ask just a couple questions as we conclude here. The first question is this, with every head bowed and eyes closed, if you're in this room right now, and if you and I were to go out to coffee and I were to ask you, is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? If your answer is, no, he's not. Or if your answer is, man, 20 years ago, I was walking with Jesus, but I've walked away, but today I'd want to come home. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. God will forgive you of your sins and that you will have eternal life with God the Father, but not just when you die and go to heaven. He'll walk with you in a new life right now. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to just do something just kind of bold. Just when I count to three, I'm just going to ask you to lock out your elbow and lift up your hand just so I know who I'm praying for today. That would be your confession of faith of saying, yeah, pastor, that's me. I want Jesus Christ to be the Lord of my life. If that's you, ready, one, two, three. Go ahead and lift up your hand all across this room. Yep, beautiful. Anybody else, you just kind of wave at me. Most important decision in your life, who is Jesus? He is Lord, way to go. Second question, yep, you in the back, way to go. You can put your hands down. Second question is this, you're in this room and you're following Jesus. But you've been seeing your pain as the problem and your pain isn't the problem. Your filter is the problem. And you're just saying, Jesus, help me to exchange the filter that I have so that I can get the most out of my pain. I want you to lift up your hand all across this room and I wanna pray for us. God, I pray right now. God, we're not afraid of pain. <laughs> we're not afraid of it. In fact, pain draws us closer to you. Pain pulls us closer to you. And so God, we're not afraid of anything that pulls us closer to you. And so God, I pray, God, that you would do what your word says you'll do. God, that you'd be near the brokenhearted. God, that those that are experiencing loneliness, depression, anxiety, rage, frustration. God, anybody right now struggling with any sort of substance abuse right now. God, anybody, God, that's struggling with the pain of heartbreak. God, the pain of grieving. Lord, I just pray, God, that you would uh, be in the midst of that. God, that you would declare over our lives, Lord, that your grace is sufficient for us. God, I thank you so much. God, that no weapon formed against us can prosper. I'm grateful, God, that you are the Lord, God, that lifts up the valleys and brings down the mountains so we can walk on level ground. I'm grateful, God, that I am the head and not the tail, that you love your people, you provide for your people. Church, can we declare this? Thank you for listening to the Grace City Tampa podcast. Stay tuned for more weekly messages from our church.